now it's time for the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, featuring health news, opinion, and insight from Wesley Chapel's concierge medicine physician, Dr. Tommy McElroy. And thank you for joining us today. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I have the pleasure of talking with a specialist of compliance, and actually the name of the website is hrcompliance101.com, and I asked her to come on to talk to us because I find when I deal with employers and also with employees that a lot of the concerns they have are, are not only with medical, but how does uh, all the benefits that they have fit in together and how do they, how are they going to be affected by changes? And Paula Matthews is joining me and she is a specialist in this and has over 30 years of experience in HR compliance. Uh, Paula, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific, Tommy. How about you? I'm fine. You know, a lot of our audience, and our audience is now over, was it, 50 cities and 25 countries, believe it or not. Uh, you know, a lot of our audience is in the business community. Business community, either business owners, business managers, or, or people who are otherwise in the uh, uh, decision-making uh, parts of a business. I wanted to see if there was five tips that you could give a small business owner or a business owner, what, what would those be from an HR compliance standpoint? Well, Tommy, first, I would tell them not to buy the required state and federal posters. Because if the government requires you to use a form or post a document, they will give it to you at no cost. You can go to the website of any state and download the required posters for that state. And the federal- Can I stop you right there? Hmm? Can I stop you right there? I, I did not know that. I, uh, I did not know that. So that is actually uh, more or less a scam. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, the government kind of supports this. In New Hampshire, for example, the state allowed a company to call themselves New Hampshire Labor Law Poster Company. So if you get something in the mail from them, you think it's from the state. So obviously you pay. It is a scam, and I'm here to tell you, don't ever buy posters again. You don't need to. And I give them out for free to my clients all the time. And the Federal Department of Labor also gives you the federal posters free. You just need to go to the website and download them. So that's great. That's number one tip. That's an easy tip. Um, I've been giving giving out free posters for over 15 years now. And secondly, once you get those posters, you should read them because they generally describe what the minimum expectations are for a business from both the federal and state perspective. I call them the Dick and Jane items that a business owner really needs to know. And if you buy that laminated five-for-one or six-for-one poster, you don't read it. You just put it up and say, hey, I'm in compliance. That's not correct. So really read the posters to understand your responsibilities and your employees' responsibilities. And before you hire your first employee, you need to have certain building blocks in place. And those blocks need to include getting an EIN number, which you're going to need when you buy workers' compensation insurance, which you have to do before you make your first hire. Now, I know in Florida, the law is different. You don't have to have workers' comp until you have three employees, but that's a whole nother nother deal. Normally, employers have to cover their employees for injuries or illnesses suffered on the job. And the rate that you'll pay is going to be based on your industry and your payroll expenses. Too many employers use the concept of subcontractors and give them 1099s in place of a W-2. That's a, that is a dangerous place to go because unless they meet the legal definition 
of a subcontractor, they're really an employee. Because if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck and looks like a duck, it's probably a duck or an employee instead of a subcontractor. So if, if a business has been using the 1099 system in the past, they should take a very careful look at those individuals to make sure that they don't meet the, the criteria of an employee. Who would be the person that you would ask to look at a contract to say, is this going to meet the standards of, and, and just to have a consultation with, would that be a lawyer? You could, you could use an employment lawyer or a human resource consultant like myself. Most yeah. of us have a very clear understanding of what the law requires in terms of whether a person's an employee or a true independent subcontractor. Okay. That could be handled remotely then since if, you, if you're remote, you didn't necessarily have to meet with them. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do remote uh, support for my clients on a regular basis. Um, you also need the, the a current W-4 form so your employees can use those to define the deductions they want. You also need the I-9 form. This makes sure that your employees have a legal right to work in this country. Now, as of yesterday, the form was expired. It was outdated. It expired March 31st. But you would still use this form until the revised form is issued. The government is trying to encourage employers to e-verify as an alternative, but they still need to come up with a revised form. Okay. And so until so you can continue to use the form even though it's expired until the new one comes out. You have to. The last time they did this, the form expired in August, and they didn't have a new form until March. So okay. that's how efficient our government can be at times. Absolutely. Um, and a small business owner also needs to figure out how they're going to handle payroll, the taxes, and all the forms that go with that process. And I strongly encourage my clients to work with local companies, local payroll, accounting firms, rather than the big chains like Paychex or ADP. Um, and why is that? Because a small local accounting firm is generally going to provide better, faster, more personalized, more customized service. I feel that you get a much better return on your investment. You are talking to the people that are actually doing the work for you. They, they, you're working with a local person. They want to have a good reputation. Those, and there are a lot of people that are, um, like myself. I'm a human resource consultant, so these are payroll and bookkeeping type consultants. A lot of companies are outsourcing both of these services because they can. And you can find local people that will do a much bit, much better job than those big chains will. Well, it's always nice to be able to talk to someone who you may have actually even seen or met at one point and can remember you. True, and people want to do business with people they know. People right. they know and it, trust as well. So, um, and the last, the last piece of this, um, of these building blocks is whatever form your state requires. When you hire an employee, you need to have that available. Uh, most states give you up to 20 days to make those reports. And the reason you're making those reports to the state is you're helping them track down deadbeat parents who owe child support or individuals who owe the IRS money. Um, and then number four, when you hire your first employee, you truly need to have a robust pre-employment process in pay place. That is critical. And some of the actions to support that robustness uh, might be don't let your applications leave the building. You want to make sure the person you're hiring is the one that completed the application. 
Good point. Make sure the application and the app the, the applicant fills out that form completely so that you have the information that you need to check his or her background because if you don't know the person on on a very personal level or you don't check those references thoroughly, you're putting your company at risk. You really want to know as much about the person as possible before you hire them. So there's a there's a comfort level there. <clears throat> Well, how do you do a background check? I mean, this is a little off topic, but if someone hires an employee, where are they at? Uh, depending where they're at, where would they do? What's our first step of doing a background check? Well, there are there are firms that will do this for you, and I found one that's fabulous. It's called Back um, Neyland Background Screenings, and it's out of uh, the the uh, Brooksville area. He's wonderful, and for about thirty five dollars, you can do a credit check. Uh, a criminal background check and a driver's license check, and you can do as much or as little as you want. You sign up for the program, and you can actually do it online, twenty four seven, whenever you whenever you want to. Once you've got the forms in place, and I've got at least one of my clients using um, them now, and they're they're very very pleased because again, um, and I recommend that formal background check and even a pre employment physical, depending on the type of job that's being offered. An office job, maybe not so much, but somebody that's going to do physical labor for you, work in concrete or be a roofer or a carpenter or do a physically demanding job, a pre-employment physical could could save you a lot of money in the long run. So what would you recommend that they see an occupational physician or what type of, how, how would they have that pre-employment physical well, done? Well, I think having a doctor like yourself being part of their management team, being somebody they can rely on. Um, is a mm -hmm. wonderful um, resource, and that would Kinda be like a, or an occupational health management group. But again, I want that personal relationship. I want somebody that I that's working for me that I know and trust is going to make sure that these people coming in the door are people that are going to be able to physically, mentally, emotionally able to handle the job and the work environment that I have to offer for them. Yeah, I worked with a physician in uh, St. Petersburg, uh, Dr. Adam Brunson, and he does a lot of the pre-employment physicals for the local large businesses there. And they have, like you were saying, if it's a physical job, well, then they have a little sled in there that they have sure. to pull. They have to pick up a certain amount of weight. So that's a real important because you don't want to hire someone and they look okay physically. And then uh, one week into it, they have some chronic injury that they were able to hide before. And then they lift a box and they suddenly want uh, unemployment and uh, disability and everything else on that's your watch. That's right. And, that's, and that, again, that's why I say that robust pre-employment process is so critical. You want to know those people. And the other thing is, I've, I've been in this business for over 35 years and I still get fooled. So you need to have in place a 30, a 60, or a 90-day introductory period before you offer benefits and consider them part of your regular staff because they, they might be able to fool you about their work habits and work ethics for a short time, but, but you should know if they're going to be a good fit for you and your company within that 90-day window. In Florida, so is that the the law? You can extend it up to ninety days. Well, there's no law. This is just this is just a best okay. practice. This is this I is see. what I'm saying. My clients, their best practice should be: look, I'm bringing you on board, and I usually use Gertrude and Ivan when I do my training because not too many people are named Gertrude and Ivan. So you say to Gertrude, "Yep, Gertrude, you look good. You smell good. You feel like you're going to be one of us. We're going to hire you, but you are considered an introductory employee for." For the first 90 days 
That sounds better than probation because then it doesn't sound like they broke well, the law. Well, probation, and we and the reason <laughs> HR people took probationary out of their language is because if you are probationary and then you become mm -hmm. permanent, it implies mm -hmm. to people, law, lawyer-type people, that you've got a job for life. Well, nobody does oh, except the government. Yeah, so that. instead you use now introductory and regular. Speaking of life, do you know what the most – uh, the, the the closest thing in our in our world is to uh, existence permanently. What? Um, from an employment standpoint, employment in a federal Absolutely. agency. Well, there was a statistic. The government doesn't have to go by the same rules we do, so we're not going to go into that discussion because that could be a whole separate well, pod. There was a statistic that said that if you were employed by a federal agency, you were more likely to die than be fired. Oh, and and I believe that because I had a, a good friend who was a manager of a liquor store, and she had a an employee who worked for her. It took her three years and countless, countless meetings and documentation to get rid of that employee who was one of the most – was a very bad employee. Didn't meet yeah. expectations. I worked with so, – before I went to medical school, I worked in the Department of Health, and we had an employee – and I'm not going to say a sex or anything, but there was an employee who was there. Well, I worked there for two years who I saw in the office, I think, three times and was employed. Maybe maybe more than three times, maybe five times. But that And that's a scary thing. But again, topic for a whole separate discussion. Yes, ma'am. Because once you hire your employees, you really don't want to let them become the boss of you. It's your company, and you have the right and the responsibility to set the tone, the culture, the mood of the organization because it's your company and you deserve to have employees that you like and trust, but they also need to like and trust you, which brings us to the last item, which is number five. Do what you say, say what you do, and you put it in writing. You document, document, document. Employees want to know what the rules are, either so they can follow them or so they can try to figure out how to get around them. And the thing to remember is that out of 100 employees, 92 of them are going to come to work every day and do the best job that they can and follow the rules and the policies and procedures. The other eight are the ones that can be the rotten potatoes in the bottom of the bag. So some of the ways to keep the them out of your company is to have that re robust pre-employment process that we're talking about. That keeps the bad ones from getting in the door in the first place. So you invest on the front end and you'll save yourself a lot of time and hassle and money on the back you, end. I can't tell you. Mo most of the work that I do involves the bad employees. And, and once they get in the door, they get on the payroll, they can damage your culture to the point where it takes years to make to repair it. So as soon as a problem comes up, you deal with it. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. to walk that employee down that disciplinary path until he terminates himself. Because, mm -hmm. again, you have the right, but the, also the responsibility to make sure that all of your employees are meeting your expectations and that they play well with you and the rest of your employees, which is Absolutely. you've got more than three or four people working together. You're going to have some conflict, and it's your job as the person in charge to manage that. And and the other thing is what you do for one, you do for all. And it's easier to do that and have consistent policies and procedures if you've got an employee handbook or a guide in place. And that way the rules kind of apply equally to all. 
and it's not a legal requirement, but I certainly think it's a best practice and a great tool for management to be able to rely on. And then you require all of your employees to follow the basic principles of a respectful workplace. And when you do this, and you follow those principles as well, because again, you're setting, you're leading by example, you'll have a work environment that really encourages everyone to do their very best work, and it's going to have good culture, good morale, low turnover. Um, it's going to be a good company to work for. And these five tips can be used with all businesses, but it's really especially important for the small businesses. They have the chance to build their culture from scratch from with the very first person they hire. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Paula. That's a wealth of information. And if people want to get learn more about uh, your services, uh, you are in Brooksville, but you also operate. Um, uh, tell us, what who are the people that you could work with here in Florida? Oh, um, the great folks for me to work with are insurance brokers. Uh, CPAs, mm -hmm. those CPAs and bookkeepers that I told you about, employment lawyers, um, uh, bankers, uh, financial advisors. Those are the kind of people that have the same client base that I do. And they feel the pain. They'll hear the pain because most uh, CPAs, bookkeepers, financial advisors, they're like your mechanic. Once you find one that you love and trust, you keep those people, right? So Absolutely. these people have long-term relationships with their clients and they will either see the pain because they see their, the bookkeepers and they see all the finances or they hear about the pain. Um, and I can help those people. I can be a great resource for those particular individuals because then I'm value added and then we both support the same client. They might support the client from an insurance or finance perspective, and I support the client from a human resource, safety, OSHA compliance, federal compliance perspective. And so between all of us, we make up great, uh, what my, one of my clients calls a brain trust. He says, I don't, exactly. I don't, I'm too small. I got nine employees. I don't need a full-time office person or anything. So he's subbing out. He's got a lawyer. He's got a bookkeeper. He's got me. And between the and so, three of us, we're going to handle all the minutia that is necessary to run a business. From a geographical standpoint for businesses that are want to work with you, what is there any geographic, uh, what are the geographic areas that you would be able to work with? Well, currently I cover the entire state of New Hampshire. I also have clients in Vermont um, and Maine. I, I work primarily in Hernando County when I'm in Florida, but again, when I, I started, I had spent my sixth winter in Florida uh, this last winter, and I have proven that I can do remote support to my clients in New Hampshire, so it really doesn't matter where clients come from. I've taken, I've solved okay. problems for clients in, in many other states. So certainly most of Florida in our audience would be able to contact you if they needed you, and then those other territories you talked about. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for coming on, and it's, I look forward. Maybe we can talk again in the future. I'd like to talk about, you talked about developing a culture, and that's an important thing for businesses, and maybe that's something we could talk about in the future is how to develop a good culture from a human resources standpoint for small businesses. I would love to come back, Tommy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paula. And uh, for all of you out there listening, if you would like to hear more of the Ask Dr. Tommy show, health and business, news and insight, please go to AskDrTommy.com and you can listen on iTunes, Ask Dr. Tommy show. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more show news and information, go to AskDrTommy.com and be sure to follow Dr. Tommy on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tampa Direct Care. To learn more about Echelon Health Concierge Medicine Practice, visit Echelon Health online at TampaDirectCare.com.